There's three things I really feel impressed that we need to know tonight. And the first thing is to unlearn something. Because many of you have experience, and that experience limits what you believe God will do tonight. So the first thing is you have to, we've got to get rid of what we know about God that didn't come from His Word. Every one of us has some image of what God will do, and it's not necessarily based on His Word. As you hear me say over and over again, God, knowing that we don't understand Him, has desired, has, wants to communicate to us what He's like. And He's given us this book for that express purpose of revealing who He is, what He wants to do, and what He's like. He's also given us His Spirit to dwell in us, and when two or more of us are gathered together among us, to take this Word and make it real to us. Verse you hear me quote over and over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 and 10. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. But the Spirit has been given to us to reveal those things. And that's what we're trusting Him to do tonight. So you've got to be willing to set aside your own preconceived ideas of what God will do and what God won't do. Because I guarantee you, if you operate in that, you will limit Him. You will limit him. It says in in Psalm 107 that Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. Other translations say they pained him because he couldn't do what he wanted to do. There's no limit to what God wants to do tonight. There's no limit to what God can do. The only limit is what we're willing to believe. And don't think that our belief or unbelief doesn't have anything to do with it. In the Gospel of Mark, it says Jesus went to his own hometown And listen carefully, he says, he could do no miracles because of their unbelief. Their unbelief restricted what he could do. He wanted to, but he couldn't because of their unbelief. Why? Because it was own hometown, and all they could remember is little Jesus that grew up. All they could think of is, and that's why Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, except in his own hometown. Because they couldn't set aside their old image of him and receive the revelation of who he really was and what he really wanted to do. We need to do that tonight. We need to lay aside our preconceived ideas. Well, I don't know. We need to lay aside our experiences. I really felt the Spirit of God prompting me this evening to share that with you. Some of you, have, some of you have come here or other places and you've been prayed for and you didn't see any answers. And so in the back of your mind, there's this link, well, I don't know if it's going to work tonight. There was a man whose son was demon-possessed who brought his son to nine of Jesus' disciples and they couldn't cast him out. Jesus was on the mountain being transfigured with the other three. And when he came down, they brought, the man brought his son to Jesus. And he said, your disciples prayed for him, but they, he, he didn't get healed. And Jesus did not say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. Because they prayed and he didn't get results. He said, bring him to me. And that's what we need to do tonight. We need to bring whatever's brought you here to Jesus. Not to me. Not to my wife or the elders, whoever's going to pray. We need to bring this to Jesus. We need to bring it to Jesus. And to the Jesus as he reveals himself. So here they'd been prayed for by his own disciples and it didn't work. But when they brought it to Jesus, Jesus answered their prayer. So don't let prior experiences get in your way because that's tempting to do. Another thing is don't let let a length of time. You may say, well, I've had this for a long time. I don't know. I've had to live with this for a long time. There are two clear examples of that. There may be more I didn't think of, but there's two clear ones. There's a woman with the issue of blood. We'll talk about, about her in a minute. 
And she came and she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll she'll be well. And the Bible's testimony about her is she had that condition for 12 years. She'd been to every doctor she could know of. She was now broke. She'd spent all her Medicare, all her insurance proceeds, all that was gone. And she was still no better. In fact, she grew worse. And yet when she came to Jesus, in an instant, she was made whole. Then in Mark chapter 9, there's the, excuse me, in, in John chapter 5, there's the story of Jesus coming to a man at a pool. And the Bible says he had been infirm, he'd been lame for 38 years. Those of you who are old enough, think back to 38 years ago and where you were and what you were doing and all this happened in that 38 years. That's how long this man suffered with that infirmity. Not only that, he was lying by a pool where they believed that if when an angel troubled the water, moved the water, the first one in to be healed, and this man's very reason he's there is he can't move. So the frustration, the only way I'm going to get healed is to be the first one in the pool, and the very reason I'm here is I can't move. And yet when Jesus found him, 38 years went like that. When Jesus found him, the infirmity went away like that. So no matter what your experience in the past has been, no matter what you've been told to believe about Jesus and about God, no matter what, how long that condition's been there, it has nothing to do with what God wants to do and what God can do tonight. God has given us His Word to reveal what His will is. So we have to set aside our experiences. We have to set aside our old traditions and our old understandings. We have to set aside our old all those things, our old expectations, and we have to be willing to let God show us tonight what He wants to do for us tonight. And there's three things that we need to know, that I sense tonight we need to know about healing and about tonight. First of all, and this is the most important, you need to be convinced that it's God's will to heal you. If you're not convinced it's God's will to heal you, you won't reach out with faith and take it because you'll not believe that you're entitled to it. Either because you've got something that needs that you don't deserve it or whatever it is, whatever the lie of the enemy is that causes you to hold back and doubt God's will is the very device he wants to use to keep you separated from what God wants to do in your life tonight. So we're going to look briefly at, at scriptures to convince us that it's God's will to heal. The second thing we need to know and be sure of is that we as believers have been given the same authority as the original disciples were to pray for the sick. We have the same authority, the same power, the same commission that Peter, James, and John and all the rest of them had that are in the book of Acts. And we're going to look briefly at that. And the third thing, and this is something God's been opening my eyes to, and I referred to it a little bit on Wednesday night here, is we're going to learn that God's ability to heal is not based on anything that man does or anything that man understands. So the condition of your body, the, the, the diagnosis you've been given, has nothing to do with what God's able to do. So those are the three things we're going to briefly look at. First of all, we need to look at, is it God's will to heal? I'm going to share very quickly with you that a number of years ago, well, it's, it's almost it's over 20 years ago now, I had a condition in my body. It wasn't serious, but it, was a, it was scared me. And, 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 and it scared me enough that, that, that uh, I had to go to the hospital for a while, which scared me even more, because I didn't like hospitals then. Still don't like them either, but, I, but I'm glad when they're there when we need them. 
And, and so I decided, you know, I've been, I'd been to Bible school. I've been to Bible school. I'd seen people healed, but I was not convinced for myself that it was God's will to heal. So I did what you really ultimately have to do. I had the tapes. I had some, you know, but I went into my own Bible and said, I need to find for myself in the Bible. There's no substitute for finding it in the Bible. Tapes encourage you. Tapes will show you where the scriptures are. But you've got to see it for yourself from the word of God because this is what's anointed to to convince you inside. The others help, but you can't rely on those. And that's what so many Christians try to do. And I went from Exodus right to Revolution and found and, and began to look, just God teach me, show me. And this is what he began to show me. He took me back into Exodus. And I'm just going to read some scriptures to you because I don't want to take the time for all of us to turn there. In Exodus 15, God reveals to his people when they first came out of Egypt at the, at the, bro, at the, at the river where, they, where the water was bitter and he converts it into sweet water. Exodus 15, 6, 26. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ears to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. The very first thing God revealed about himself back thousands of years ago to the children of Israel is I'm the God that heals you. Then just a little later on, over in Exodus 23, verse 25, 20, he says, But if you'll serve the Lord your God, he will bless your bread and your water. And listen carefully. This is back in the Old Testament. And I will remove sickness from your midst. This isn't some 20th century doctrine that Brother Hagen or Brother Oral Roberts came up with. God revealed to his people his will for them that if you will simply do what I say, I will remove sickness from your midst. Well, they didn't do what he said, and they didn't enter the promised land. And 40 years later, the next generation is preparing to come in. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, around verse 15, God says to the next generation, he renews the promise. And he says again, if it come about, if you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep his covenant and his loving kindness, which he swore to your forefathers, and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Then he says all the things, how he's going to bless them, prosper them. And he said, you will be blessed above all the peoples. Neither shall your male nor female be barren among you or your cattle. In other words, I'm going to prosper you and bless you. And the Lord will remove sickness from your midst. So he renews this promise to the next generation. David, King David got a hold of this. Because in the wonderful 103rd Psalm, as I mentioned earlier this morning, he's, he's talking to his soul to bless the Lord. Because David knew God. David got to know God by taking care of his father's sheep out in the wilderness. And he didn't learn God from a textbook. He didn't learn God from his... He learned God from experiences, from talking to God and watching what God would do. And he learned this about God. In Psalm 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he starts to list them. Who forgives all my iniquities. Who heals all my diseases. Delivers my life from destruction. Crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Removes sickness from our midst. Heals all my diseases. That's in the old covenant. And then Isaiah 53, of course, which is the foretelling of what God wanted to do for us through this Messiah on the cross. Said himself, bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. 
And by his stripes I'm healed. He says, yeah, but my Bible says sickness, pains and suffering. Those words literally mean sickness and disease. If you study those words out, in every other place they're used in the Bible, they say sickness and disease. And over in Matthew 8, verse 17, the Holy Spirit gives his own testimony of what that means because Jesus said he healed people in order to fulfill what was prophesied in Matthew, in, in Isaiah, saying himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And Jesus said that after he had healed sickness and disease. So in the Old Testament, God expresses his will for his people. And then... We have the New Testament. We have Jesus comes to the earth. And Jesus says about himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we have an insight into the Father's will of healing just from promises he's made. But now God, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Greek word, word is logos, which means the complete expression of something, when it applies to a person, it's the complete expression of their character, of their will, and of their nature. So that John 1 says, in the beginning was the complete and full expression of the Father's character, the complete full expression of the Father's nature, and the complete full expression of the Father's will. And in verse 14 it says, and that complete expression of the Father's character and nature took on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said about himself, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father say. Over in John chapter 14, when Philip comes to Jesus, Philip says, well, it would be enough if you show us the Father. And Jesus says, don't you know, Philip? Have you been with me this long and you don't understand? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, He is the exact image of the Father. In Colossians, it says the same thing. He is the image of God. Hebrews chapter 1 says He is the, and if, literally if you look in the Greek, it says He is the outshining of the Father and the exact representation of His nature. So if we want to know what God's like, and there are many more we could look at. If we want to know what God's like, whether he cares about us, healing, physical healing. If we want to know what's important to God, what he's willing to do, the Gospels tell us all you've got to do is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. You have your Bibles with me. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Jesus has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's gone into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Talked briefly about that this morning. And now he comes back from that testing and he's about to enter into his public ministry. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee. Now stop there a second. What that tells us is that was not one instance. See, when I was raised in church, I was taught, well, Jesus healed people in order to prove that he was the Son of God. If that's true, he only had to do it once. If that's true, why did he tell people over and over again, don't don't go tell anybody 
what I just did for you. Is that reverse psychology? Because if so, it worked. Because every time he told people don't co-tell, they went and told. So if he was trying to prove that he was the Son of God, why would he tell people not to go tell somebody? Well, the reason he told people not to go is he had a crowd control problem. There are times that he was thronged around him by people and he's trying to get somewhere and he couldn't get there because of the crowds that were around him. So let's look at this verse. It says that Jesus was going about. That means it wasn't a one-time event. This was his practice. All Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, plural, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every... The word preaching means proclaim. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of sickness. Look at that. Every kind of sickness in every kind of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. That's not even in Israel. And they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed and epileptics and paraleptics, and he healed them. Over in chapter 9, go to chapter 9. Verse 35. And Jesus went about in all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of sickness and every kind of disease among the people. So, Jesus linked proclaiming the kingdom with healing sickness and disease. He, he linked revealing the kingdom of God and what God's will was and what God wanted to do with healing people's natural physical needs for healing of their bodies. He linked them together. Not only that, look at chapter 10. And he called the 12 disciples together and gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. And he says down in verse 5, he told, sent the 12 out. He says, don't go the way of the Gentiles, but enter the city of Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely, freely you've received, freely give. Again, he links the proclaiming of the kingdom of God with healing the sick. So apparently, making people whole is part of God's heart and part of God's will and part of God's character. But if alone all we had was, was Exodus 23 where God says, I'll remove sickness from our midst. And in Deuteronomy 20, chapter 7 where he says, I'll remove sickness from... Think about it. God says, I'll remove sickness from the midst of my people if they just do what I say. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 says, we have a better covenant on better promises. So if healing passed away in the Old Testament, how is that, how is ours a better covenant if we have fewer benefits? Try to get your employer to sell that one by you when they negotiate your contract. Wait till the labor, the labor contracts, they try, we got a better deal for you, we're taking your benefits away and we're lowering your pay, it's a better deal for you, oh yeah, right. Go with me to Mark chapter 5. I want to show you, there's so many other verses we could go through. I want to show you what settled it for me once and for all. Is it God's will to heal? Okay, yeah, it's God's will to heal, but, but, but maybe not me. 
Maybe it's not God's will to heal me. I mean, after all, I know people that prayed and they didn't get healed. They didn't receive their healing. Well, I don't know why they didn't. I just know what God's Word says. And if that's what you're going to dwell on, if you're going to build your faith on people that didn't receive healing, then you probably won't either. You need to spend your time looking at people that did receive and find out why. Instead of dwelling on people that didn't receive and find out why. Mark chapter 5. Verse 21. Now Jesus crossed over again by boat to the other side. And a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And so Jesus went with him and great multitudes followed him and thronged him. See, he was thronged with a crowd. And a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from the physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather go worse, when she heard about Jesus, came in the crowd behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and stopped there. Let's walk through this. What's happened is there's a crowd around Jesus. He's on his way to Jairus' house. This woman with this condition for 12 years fights herself way through the crowd for she's already said what she believes. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And she fights her way through and she touches his garment and she immediately feels healing go into her body. She immediately feels that that issue of blood dried up and Jesus immediately felt power go out of him. Amen. You follow me so far? This is very important. And Jesus, verse 30, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Notice the order. She touched his garment, which is what she believed. She felt power go into her and heal her. He felt power go out of him, and he turns around and says, Who touched me? When you ask who did something, it's because you don't know who did it. You with me so far? All right. That means he, at this point, did not know who had just received healing. Right? So he turns around with everybody else touching him, by the way. He didn't say anything. But somebody touched him in faith. Somebody touched him believing and expecting something. And when they touched him, something happened. Something came out of him. And he noticed the difference because he turned around and said, who touched me? And I was praying about this one time. God, show me. Show me whether it's always your will to heal. And he took me to that. He says, when Jesus turned around, did he know who touched him? I said, no, he asked. He said, if, he need, if it was only my will to heal some people and not others, Jesus would have needed to know who touched him first so he could find out whether she was on the yes list or the no list. 
Because it's only God's will to heal this group over here and not this. Sorry, guys. And not this group over here. I got to know which group are supposed to get it. And I'd have to know, he'd have to know that before he would release the power to heal her. But she's already healed before he knows who it is. The power went out of him before he knew who put the demand on him. He didn't need to know who. He just felt the demand caused the power to come out. In fact, later on, look down here. Look at verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith made you well. Not my will, not my father's will. Your faith made you well. Your faith received something my father gave a long time ago. Your faith. There are 19 specific instances of healing in the Gospels. Not like the crowd we just talked about. Someone like this or Jairus' daughter. And out of those 19, in 12 of them, it talks about their faith. In fact, the man that came to the foot of the mountain and says, your disciples couldn't cast this out. And he says to him, you know, so I brought him to you. If you're able to do anything, and Jesus looks at him, he says, if I'm able to, and he turns it around and he says, all things are possible to you that believe. In other words, it's up to you. All things are here. My Father's made provision. It's up to you whether you receive it. Over in quickly, we'll look here, and then I want one more point, and then we'll, we'll begin to pray. Over in um, Matthew, I think it's, let's see, Matthew 14. Look there, if you've got your Bible. Matthew 14, 34. I'm going to mark, that won't work. Okay. And when they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out to all the surrounding region, and they brought to him all who were sick. That's what we're doing tonight. And they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. They asked to touch the hem of his garment. And look at this. As many as touched it were made perfectly well. It wasn't enough to believe that if they touched his garment... It was only those that touched it. No, notice who decided who they got, who received it. They did. Jesus didn't sit there and say, "No, wait a minute." You know, there, he healed whole crowds. That means if it was only God's will to heal some and others, how you have to separate the crowds out into the, the haves and the have-nots? It's religion that gets us to believe that. Say, well, that was back in his day. Look at me with Hebrews. Hebrews chapter thirteen. Verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. There's not a different Jesus of the Gospels that we have today. And if there's going to be a difference, he's got to be better. Because he's not going to be worse. He's not going to do less. 
He's going to increase and do more. But Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he was willing to do yesterday, he's just as willing and desirous to do today, and he will be forever. Last point I, felt I want to mention to you before we pray. And this was my own testimony. What I struggled with was because the way my mind works, I like to understand how things work. And so the challenge I would have is that when I would believe for healing, my problem is I wouldn't understand how this was going to work in my body. And then I heard something that set me completely free. And it's this. Our doctors and our medicine heal by using your own body's processes. So antibiotics, if I'm right, Doc, I think this is right, what antibiotics do is they trigger that condition in your body. They plant a little bit of that in your body and that your body's own defense mechanism now go to fight off that little bit amount of that bacteria and that develops an immunity which now protects you against something or overcomes something that's stronger. Is that basically how it works? Okay. So it's using your own body and the chemicals of this world to make your body well. Metaphysicals, sciences like Christian science and things like that, they try to use the mind, mind over matter. But God's not limited to our mind, and God's not limited to the way our body works. God works with a power that supersedes all of those things. Because remember, he's the one that created the universe with his words. Hebrews tells us, chapter 11, verse 3, that we understand by faith, we believe by faith that the worlds, the universe was formed by the word of God. All the creation that's out there was created. The body was created. The fact that it even heals itself was the creation of God's power released in his words. The very fact that the body does that is the result of God's power creating it. And then Hebrews 1.3 says, we know that all of this is still held together by the word of his power. Romans chapter 4 says, Abraham believed God's promise that he'd be the father of many nations in spite of the fact that he was too old, she was too old, and their wombs were barren. Her womb was barren. Because the faith God he had faith in was not a God that could just heal a dead womb. He was the God that can raise the dead and cause things into existence that never existed before. And what I saw was this. The power that God uses to heal is a spiritual power that overrides physical conditions. It's not limited to whether your body responds to medicine or not. It's not limited to whether the chemotherapy has worked or hasn't worked because we're talking about the power of God that created the universe and one zap of that power, one zap of that power birthed your life however many years ago. How much more can it heal and deliver and make well tonight? So don't allow what you're understanding. I don't know how this can work. I don't know. It's going to take long. That has nothing to do with the power of God because the power of God doesn't use your body. The power of God is a spiritual force that's infinitely greater and not limited by time. It's not limited by space. It's not limited by anything that our mind can come up with. 
So let us go of your old ideas and your limitations and take all the limitations off of what God can do and what God wants to do tonight. Let him speak to us through his word. Become convinced, just as an act of your will, that God wants you well tonight. And he paid for it on the cross. And realize that there's nothing impossible to the power and the force of God's spirit. Amen. I'm going to pray in just a second. And then what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're here for healing in your body, I'm going to ask you to line up on either one of the walls. And what we're going to do is you'll just follow the usher's instructions, and they're going to bring you and line up across here. And unless I feel led otherwise, my wife and I are going to lay hands on you. And we're just going to, I may go fast, I may go slow, it's whatever I sense the Holy Spirit, however the Holy Spirit wants to do. But your job while you're waiting is to just let everything go. Let your mind go blank. Just listen inside and just focus on him. You can't make anything happen. Sometimes people get here and they get so uptight. Just relax. You're receiving something. Just relax. You're receiving something. We're going to lay hands on you in obedience to Mark 16, which says, And believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And when we lay hands on you, that's the point where you're releasing your faith and said, At this point... I've received what I came here to do. I've received that healing from my body. You may feel something instantly. You may not. Don't start checking your body. Don't start checking it out to decide whether you've received it or not. Then you didn't receive it by faith. But you need to receive it by faith and just trust God. God's going to work. So at this time, if you want to begin to line up, let me pray first. Father, thank you for the word. And now we're going to act on your word. Again, I can't heal anybody. But we come in obedience to your word and we come trusting in the precious Holy Spirit that as we lay hands on people, Lord, that whatever that need is in their life, that your spirit will go into them, your anointing will go into them and touch their bodies and bring wholeness because we know that it is your will in the name of Jesus. One last thing I want to share with you. In the book of Acts, there was a place where Peter went to a man named Aeneas, his house, and he'd been sick for 30 years, lame, he couldn't walk. And when I read this one time, it really struck me because what he says to him is what I'm going to say. Most of the time he said, in the name of Jesus, because Jesus told him to do that. But what he said in this case, he laid hands on him. He says, Jesus Christ makes you whole. And when we lay hands on you, that's what I'm going to say. It's not me. It's Jesus is here tonight in his body, representatives here And Jesus is laying hands on you. Jesus is making you whole tonight. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the one that paid on the cross. Jesus is the one that revealed the the life of God and the will of God. Jesus is your healer. Lord Jesus, we just invite you now. Just, Lord, as our faith, their faith was if they touched the hem of your garment, they'd be made well. Our faith tonight, Lord, is as as we lay hands on them, Lord, they're here tonight to have hands laid on them. As hands are laid on them, Lord, we believe that they will be made well, whatever, whatever the condition is. And there's nothing that's hard for you. There's nothing that's difficult you from a headache to cancer. There's nothing hard from you for you. And so we believe that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you want to line up, go ahead and then follow the instructions of the ushers. And you need to flow. Need a- Word of instruction, several things. You need to do something that now is an act of faith that you believe you've received it. So if there's something you couldn't do before, do it.
If you didn't feel anything, that doesn't mean nothing happened. Sometimes it's a process. There were some blind men, it says, they began to see as they left. And I've seen things manifest later on. So the key with God is this, don't let go. Don't let go. Because the enemy couldn't stop you from being here. So the next thing he's going to try to do is tell you it didn't work. Because, listen to me, he needs you to let go of it. Because if you hold on to it, God's word has to work. And he knows that, so he knows he's got to let you, he's got to convince you to let go and say, well, I don't see anything, I didn't feel anything. It, God's word works. Amen. Amen. Second thing. If you've received something tonight and there's an actual manifestation, understand this. You now need to apply your own faith, even once you've received it, because very often the enemy comes to test you. And there may come a time when symptoms start coming back. And that's when you have to build your, have to build your faith up to stand against it. These services can initiate something, but ultimately it's going to be your faith that sustains it because that will be tested and when you test it test it we may not be here in the middle of a healing line and we can lay hands on you again so you need to begin to get into the word yourself and build your own self up on on that word the third thing is we're going to want testimonies from tonight so there's a place on the website you can go you can email testimonies to us because we want to report because what that does is it builds faith in others and hope in others amen amen well let's stand together and let's pray, and then we're gonna just we're gonna we're gonna get, spend a few moments just giving God thanks. One of the greatest ways you can you can exercise you can act on your faith is by thanking God for something, Hallelujah. whether you feel it or not yet. Amen. Father, we just thank you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done tonight. There's some things we know already. There's some things we don't know yet. And we just thank you for loving us so much, for your spirit being here tonight and present with us. Thank you, Lord, for the caring enough about our bodies, for making them whole. Father, we just thank you tonight and bless you tonight. We praise you tonight.